live from the home of clinical depression, Seattle, Washington. It's the Seahawks Nest Podcast. Kevin, how are you doing? Depressed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes makes sense after what happened. Uh, Ke- Eric, how are you feeling? Uh, you know, I've had better days, but I'm all right. I'm okay, good. all right, that's good. I'm I'm feeling okay too, all things considered. I, I felt like there was a lot of of, of tape to dig into, and I, I tried really hard to dig into it today. So we'll we'll uh, we'll go right right into it. But first. Let's uh let's go ahead and talk about like I want to talk about the con- most controversial play in the game because I just want to get it out of the way. Which one? Uh, the Jeremy Lane ejection. Okay. I think that this was like the one that people really freaked out about. So not uh, when they tackled Jimmy Graham going for the that, touchdown that's catch. The, that uh, one that's isn't. The, that's the other one. Okay. But I was gonna, the other controversial one. Gotcha. I was going to get to that one later. But the the Jeremy Lane thing. Uh, have do you think that on review that the other guy is going to be the one that gets a suspension? Like no, because the NFL doesn't cop to stuff like that. But yes, you should. Because like I was really stunned, and not only that, but on that play, that same play, that was the softest block in the back call I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. He like it was tapped, a block in the shoulder. He like tapped Aaron Rodgers in the shoulder. I watched that play like four times on the yep. coach's film because I was like, I'm gonna find this block in the back. It must have been really bad. And it was like it's really just Cliff Averill bumping into his shoulder like that. Okay, yeah. I hate being the guy that bitches about calls. It's 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 worthless. There's no point to it. But I do love when uh, the only time I'll ever listen to ESPN is when they, like they did after Super Bowl Forty, they'll come out and say, hey, these calls against the Seahawks were BS. And I appreciate that, ESPN. Now go back in your hole. It was such a bad call that Aikman and Buck yeah. said it was a bad call. Yeah, they, they were, That's how bad of a call it was. People they were, were likable people were all oh, People were all over the bad calls in this game. Um, let me, before, was it Blandino or whatever? The people they go to, they're like, these people know what refs are talking <laughs> about. They were both like, uh, we got nothing, guys. Now yeah. that that now that now we can get that out of the way, because that doesn't fit into our normal structure of talk about offense, talk about defense, we, we just wanted to state the offense was patently terrible. I would say that was but, offensive. But I think... <laughs> I think Ew. that the game can be summed up in the first play from scrimmage for each team. Okay, the first play from scrimmage because I rewatched the game and I watched rewatched significant parts of it over and over. The first play from scrimmage for the Seahawks, jailbreak sack on Russell Wilson. Like the whole line just got smashed from the left. We ran a pass play and they got sacked. The first play for the scrimmage for the Packers, Jordy Nelson complains to the refs that he wants a flag, and like five seconds after the play's over, he gets a flag. Yep, like it wow. was the it was a perfect summation of the entire game in that. We were like just a jailbreak on offense for our offensive line. And they, when they were on offense, they seemed to get like all these calls. Like there's so many offsides in this game, defensive holding. Like we we had a lot, like quite a few penalties in this game. And it was just really frustrating to watch because it felt like it was all going one direction. Does that make sense? Yeah, and the, Pete Carroll had the same opinion. It reminded me of the Saints game last year where we had something like 16 penalties to the Saints one. Well, what was it at halftime? One of the uh, talking heads on Fox was like, yeah, you know who I don't want to be? The person who has to take the phone yes. call from Pete Carroll on Monday because that's going to be uncomfortable. Yeah, I think uh, the the things that I want to take away from this game that you know we don't want to hear, one, the offensive line uh, doesn't look any better at all. Yeah, let's get let's get right into offense. Eric, start us off. The offensive line. What what did you see from them? They did, you said it doesn't get better at all, but like specifically, how bad was it? Honestly, Britt didn't – okay. Let's just start where you think there's going to be a positive. The middle of the line that looks short up looks so much better in the preseason. I don't know if it looked a little better. It certainly didn't look good. There is pressure coming up the middle. Uh, let's go to the right tackle. One of our worst players, Jermaine Fetty, still terrible. I don't know how he's going to last the season, if he's going to last the season. And then, of course, we have not George Fant on the left side. I'm going to say, I've said this all preseason, I don't know how good George Fant would have been. When he went down with an injury, yeah, like, oh, this guy was going to be better. But really watching film of him, he wasn't that much better. And no. I have no faith in this offensive no. line. Riso Diambo was a disaster. They made they made Nick Perry look like Reggie White. Like, the guy was, like, all over the field. And he, he was smashing people, like, putting people right on their butts. And I think it's because we came out and tried to establish the pass right away. And I feel like that was the wrong tactic to take. Like, this offensive line has never been good at pass blocking. Like, coming out and passing on the first opening... How many plays, Kevin? Is that Tom Cable offensive line? 
Yeah. Then you don't have to say it's not good at pass blocking. That's just a fact. Yeah. So he was terrible at pass blocking. The, the Lions terrible at pass blocking. Why not? It was come like out? a three quarters pass heavy for the first yeah. couple drives. Why, why not? Why not come out and run a couple times? You know. And like the thing is, the first like two runs we had with Eddie Lacy were both horrible. If Eddie Lacy never touches the football again for the Seattle Seahawks, it will be too soon. Thank Five you. carries for three yards. He looked like everything you hated about Sean Alexander in his last year. I'm gonna run to the right. Not find a cutback lane and just get knocked down. And the thing is, that I, comment was everywhere. Too I like him. Chris Carson. I thought he did good. He made something out of nothing on that one play where he just like ran behind the line and got it out. But if you take out the thirty yard run, he has five rushes for nine yards. It's not like he's the one man answer to all of our problems, right? Like we we can't just rely on the fact that Chris Carson looks pretty good. He's still a rookie. The offensive line is needs to step up, or they won't matter that Chris Carson is decent. Yeah, I think there are also significant scheme issues. Uh, the run pass option was nowhere to be found. The zone read was nowhere to be found. Where's the short pass offense? The short pass offense. What happened was the team turtled and went into max protect, and we allowed the Green Bay defense. There were a number of times where it was a coverage issue. The We went into max protect. They rushed six, and everyone was covered. We don't have a lot of players that can make their own space. And Jimmy Graham played one of his worst games as a Zeoc. He had two flat drops, and he just didn't really make the plays we needed him to make. He's one of our only players. Like, Doug Baldwin can run perfect routes and get a little separation. Lockett, once his speed gets back, he can kind of go up with that, but they have athletic defensive backs. And, in Paul, and Paul Richardson can make the all-time circus, circus catches. Yeah, like, dude Paul makes great catches. A, he has really good catch radius. Like, I was really impressed by Paul Richardson. If he could stay healthy, he's going to have a big season. Yeah, I mean, he had a really nice day. What was he? Uh, like, four, four, four catches for 59? Four for 59, yeah. long 28. Went up and got some balls. He had three. Uh, he was targeted seven times, which is pretty good uh, for him. Uh, Prosize was not... He was invisible. Like yep. his rushes were not good, and he never caught. He didn't not, not catch a pass. Uh, he kept not getting even, asked to come in and block. Though he was not even targeted on a pass, which means which just says a lot about our offense. Here's the thing: for how much under siege they were, for how good their edge rushers played, and all of that, Russell Wilson only was sacked three times. Like he was getting rid of the ball because he had no choice. You know, he had no choice. There was nowhere for him to go. The thing that bothers me about it: I mean, he only had two rush attempts. Like, Russell Wilson, we cannot win football games if Russell Wilson's only going to rush two times. A big part of Russell Wilson's value to the Seahawks in past years is the fact that he ran a lot of times. And so, for me, like, seeing two rushes for 40 yards, one of, you know, and one of them was not even, they weren't designed rushes. One of them was not a designed rush. So, it's like, it's really frustrating for me. Also, the offense was in third down all the time. We're three for 12 on third downs because it's third and long. Like, you pass on first down, you're incomplete because you're jailbreak jailbreak offensive line then and you then, run to the sidelines on, on second, second down. down exactly you run on second down and now it's third and 14 and you're like okay well what what even what even plays do you have in your playbook for third and 14 like bevel's like uh i don't know this one i guess like it doesn't matter like because there, there's no play in your playbook that's supposed to get 14 yards yeah we have Ru- we have russell wilson does something magical that is our only play and that gets so tiring to operate off of i mean the defense did a great job bottling up aaron Rodgers, but it didn't it didn't matter right so is there anything else you guys want to say about the offense before we move on to the defense? How long before Eddie Lacy is off of this team? Uh, in my heart now. October, I think. Okay, you think he'll last like what? I three think more when games? Rawls comes back, as soon as we need that spot, maybe that's who gets cut for shed. Yeah, I would say like this, the moment we need a roster spot, like if like if uh you know something happens and we can get Case and Williams back, I think that the as soon as Rawls is healthy, they're gonna they're gonna try to get rid of him. They're gonna find a guy to take his spot. It's just a matter of time. Lacey's a bad fit for playing football. Yeah, he just doesn't look good. Like he just looks he looks he's all over the place. He he's he's trying to run left and right and he needs to be north south. And that was a big problem with our offense. A lot of our runs were going to the tackle and it wasn't working. We need to be running up the gut and we didn't do it. This is a three four defense we were running against. It should have been a lot of up the gut runs. Mm-hmm. Amen, Kevin. All right, so before the game started, we really touted the interior pass rush as being an area where we could really make a difference. So no interior pass rusher had a sack. Uh, all the sacks came from the edge. And uh, from watching it again, uh, like three of the four sacks were, were like basically coverage sacks. So what happened? What did the Packers do, Kevin, that made the, or or Eric, either anyone, what did the Packers do that made them able to like slow us down just enough to, to, keep, to keep their offense left? Like they didn't have a Hold. great offensive day. But they did. So, Kevin, you're saying holding. and But holding's on every play. 
Do you, yeah, it d- was. Yeah. So. I will, I'll say this. Conditioning was an issue. And I, I saw this in other there games. There were some cramps. That yeah, was a problem. That's what I was doing. Especially what, uh, Sheldon Richardson. Yeah, that's where I was going. Sheldon Richardson looked like he worked out to play for the Jets, not the Seahawks. Yes. That's, that's, a, that's a good rib, but it's also a tremendous truth to that. Michael Bennett uh, in that game, he also had to, had to have an IV, I think. At least he came out for cramps. Yeah. Bennett uh, looked good at in stretches, and at the end of the game, all those offside penalties. Like you can't give Aaron Rodgers free plays like that. He's the guy that takes advantage of that. That's a fact. Like you, he's, you cannot do that. And that when we got caught subbing and gave up the touchdown, like that is that's that Aaron was a Ro- bad play. That's Aaron Rodgers one hundred and one. You know he's going to try to do that. As bad as this game was, it was still immensely winnable. We were lost by what eight points? Well, yeah. If, you if, could make an argument, it was twenty to seventeen. And, and the thing is. To you, you could say like, "Oh yeah, well, Jimmy Graham got mugged in the end zone, so we should have got three more shots to punch it in right there." That's and then now the game's now the game's tied, right? There's that, but you've or also got the the Aaron Rodgers and the Nazaire free play, jo- the Nazaire Jones uh, interception. Right, that that'd be a total of eleven points. We, 20 to we punted on the end of that drive. Don't yep. forget, which is so sad, the big bomb that Russ overthrew Lockett on. Yes, yep. which that I get was Lockett, really that Lockett was really was upsetting. not up to speed, but literally. Russ couldn't step up to it. That was no. the problem. If you look, there's nowhere Russ for him to go. Is stepping to Russ is bailing with his front foot on the play because if he didn't, his arm would have been hitting the defensive player that was tackling him. But to to look at it in a in a positive spin, or you could look at it negatively. If any of these turn the other way, it is a Seahawks victory or a much closer game where we have a chance to win. We had a chance to win it anyway. I th- the defense needed to come up with one more stop, and Three then the offense goals. needed one real drive. Just one real drive. They had no real drives the whole game like the one that stalled out on the two like every time they had a good drive it was seemed to be from short field or like or was the one right before half where yeah. time forced the field goal where yeah the one before half was like probably our best drive and yeah. that was quick hitter offense they threw a lot of short passes like that's what the kind of thing i wanted to see more of just throughout the game but i feel like they were nervous because it is a challenge for our offense to do something like that russell wilson needs throwing lanes because he's shorter and so you have so you have to really schemer on that maybe that's what they were trying to come out and do at the beginning of the game and it really didn't work and so they just gave up on it i'm like not 100 percent sure what happened there it, since nothing was really taking form it's hard to tell what they were trying to do because whatever it was was completely unsuccessful they just kept failing the safeties were great though i thought earl thomas missed one tackle but the rest of the game was impeccable and perfect as always uh cam was amazing yeah uh it was good to see uh like uh, I thought Sherman looked really good. Both linebackers, Bobby and KJ, looked great in this a game. A ton of tackles, cleaning up everything. KJ was awesome in this game. Like I, I will continue to eat crow on this. My like, I'm sorry, I was the KJ KJ Wright anti guy. I was wrong. KJ Wright's really good at football. <laughs> yeah, I think with the, you said the safeties. Earl looks like he's. I mean, he's back, right? He he looks better than back. I don't I don't want to be like. You know, fluff it too much, but he looks really good. Well, that one incredible diving play early on, he didn't actually make the interception. So, and the thing that, and on the free on the free play, I mean, it was him and it was his job to cover over, and he didn't quite make it. Yes. So I, so clearly overrated. You can can no, you can nitpick him a little bit, but like, I mean, he pro football focus rated him an eighty-eight in this game. And to be fair, I mean, and that rating system, it's kind of biased against Earl Thomas, and he is. He was on the field. We say this a lot. He was on the field a lot. 100%. Defense was on the field a lot. Defense on the field. And Earl Thomas said after the game, oh, we've been dealing with that for eight years, which is not necessarily true because every year you had Marshawn Lynch, we would we would win time of possession. But that is another point where the game was lost. They were on the field for 40 minutes. We were on the field for 20. I thought Shaq Griffin stepped up admirably. I mean, he was given a really tough job. He had to guard Jordy Nelson a lot. He had a couple holding penalties, including one on the final drive that I thought really like was the nail in the coffin for us. Uh, I thought Justin Coleman got picked on. Coleman got picked on. That was that was a big part of where they were able to move the football. Coleman got flat picked on. Yeah. Look at look at all those Cobb yards. Most of those are against Coleman. Like I think that the, who would have been in who Lane would have been there instead. I think that this game showed that we do need an experienced corner to play opposite Sherman. Like it will be nice to either get Shed back or have Lane to at least like share the load with. Uh, if if lane is if lane is the good lane, there's like a good lane and a bad lane, and the there bad is. lane is real bad, and the good lane is real good. So it's like I do, I don't want to say like oh it's going to be perfect if we get lane back, but like the good lane is really good. I I think he's a good football player. The bad one is really bad. So we just got to hope that we get the good version. Um, I think Shaq Griffin has room to grow. Like there's there's flashes in this game where he's awesome. Like there's flashes in this game where he's not awesome. Like he's those just all flashes over the place. where he's awesome were when he was playing man. 
And those yeah. flashes where he was not was when he was playing zone. And we play zone I think a lot. Pretty, pretty solidly, you could say that. Yeah. So I mean, the, the, he's just going to grow. He's got to grow into the position. He's got to grow into our system. Like, that's. I think that's why we stocked up line cornerbacks. I don't understand why we traded Tremaine Brock. I agree. I, I was going to use this as a chance to take this up. Uh, Tremaine Brock looked good uh, for the Vikings. The Vikings looked good just in general in the first game. And I was like, man, I really could have just used one more cornerback in this game. Like, instead of Coleman. Like, Coleman was way worse than Brock. Yeah. And that's... Okay. So, the thing with Griffin was... It was an inexperiencing. It was inexperiencing, and you can see it, because he didn't understand body positioning in zone. And this is something that we saw in the Antonio Gates touchdown catch. This is something we've seen in a number of situations. He doesn't know... He gets caught kind of turned the wrong direction. And and he doesn't know when to turn around. And so he's he's caught in a bad position, body position. Or he's behind the receiver on an in-breaking route. Yep. Or he's just a little too far under on an out-breaking route. And so he ends up opening these windows and... NFL receivers are good enough to understand how to get half a step. And a guy like Aaron Rodgers can throw on half a step. Well, I, I'm the guy looking for little victories in this, probably because it's the first game of the season, and I'm still filled with optimism. Week 8, it might be a different story if we're uh, like, you know, 3-5 and five or whatever. But honestly, Shaq Griffin going up against Aaron Rodgers and Jordy Nelson, not great. But way better than I expected oh, him to really be. Two really strong yeah. plays on those sideline throws. There are a couple yeah. of deep passes where he got his hand in there. He's a good tackler. You don't want you. The thing is, you don't want a cornerback to lead your team in tackles, tackles, which he, which he did. So that's mm. not good. No, Earl had eleven. No, I have Earl down for for seven solo tackles. Oh, I'm going off ESPN stats. Yeah, so I, I'm going off of Pro Football Pro Football Reference, which is uh, the far Their stats are better. Website. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, that's ten, ten, ten tackles is a lot for a cornerback. That's yeah. a lot, yeah, and Earl. Earl had that uh, a good game. Like I thought, like I said, the safeties were great. It's this team is good. Like, the linebackers I, were really good. I'm relaxed. I'm not worried that we're bad or something. We went on the road and played a good football team and lost. Like it's not a shame. The sh- the thing is, the offense has a lot of room to grow, and the defense is tired of playing for this offense. Like you can tell, they are sick and tired of this bevel crap, like bevel cable crap. And yep. I I don't want to throw all of it at bevel feet. I've said this for years. I think it's, this is. Tom Cable's mess, and we're just and everyone else is just trying to clean it up. But like Pete Carroll, okay, as for you, Eric, Pete Carroll, is he too loyal to these guys? Like, what what's the deal here? He builds his okay. So actually, this is this is great. I've been listening to uh, some podcasts on like uh, personal philosophies, and a guest on one of the shows talked about how he's got a business venture with Pete Carroll, and so I was like, oh, this is an added bonus. And so he talked about Pete Carroll's philosophy, and we all know the story. Basically, he got fired from his NFL head coaching job, and he vowed, like, if I ever get that chance again, I'm going to do it my way. And his way is, it's who he is at his core. It's from his book. Uh, it's always compete, okay? Is he letting his coaches compete, or is he sticking to his guys? That and with, here's the thing. exactly what I would say, man. Exactly. Nice call. But, but here's the thing. Tom Cable, everyone says he's bad. And... I don't. I'm not a coach, okay. But when he was with the Raiders, people said he was bad. Uh, there was some guy on another team last year that said, "I can tell you why the Seahawks are losing." It's Tom Cable. And here's the thing about Tom Cable: if he's good or bad, perception is reality. Look at what Mama Lynch said about Daryl Bevel. How you know my boy can't run behind this this terrible offensive line with all these bad calls. Perception is reality. And if everyone perceives you suck, sorry, you got to change something or else you suck. And Tom Cable, right now. If I can just sound like a child some more, you suck. Yeah, if you're an offensive lineman, you're a good offensive lineman. Look, we had a good offensive lineman on the hook this year, uh, TJ Lang, right? Yep. And we had him on the hook, and I bet you part of a little piece of his decision was probably going, you know what, I really don't want to play on this Tom Cable offense. Has he line. said anything as to why he wasn't here? He was a local boy. We could not get him. Yeah, I guess he wanted to play in Detroit. That's I, I mean, I can't really come up with that. That's a reason. chop. Yeah, that's the Jim Bob Cooter factor. really is. <laughs> All right. So enough of the, you so much, enough Kevin. Of these, enough of these jokels, Kevin. Um, yeah. Um, individually on the offensive line here, let me just tell you, Jokel was bad. Um, Glinsky, okay, so Jokel Glinsky had uh, Jokel had flashes of awful. I think that's the way to say that. Jokel got put on his ass a bunch of times. Yes, like, that was the whole thing. It was weird, like because then he would actually have some decent plays, and then he would look like the worst guard in the NFL, just off and on. And then. Britt's problem was he couldn't help in both directions. People might look at this stat line and they might say, oh, it wasn't that bad because the uh, the defense was able to st- 
to only give up three sacks? Like, how bad could it possibly have been? And the answer is really, really, really bad. Like, the actual pressures... and I have the pressure stat in here, on here. Just give me one sec. They actually got, uh, like, something in the neighborhood of, like, 20 pressures. Just they only actually had three sacks. Reese Odiambo alone had two QB hits, three hurries, and a sack. So, like, every guy was just giving up all this pressure. It doesn't matter that they didn't give up a ton of sacks. If, you're con- if your quarterback's constantly under siege, he's going to make mistakes. He's not going to be able to complete throws. It's just too difficult of a task. I really like what Kevin said about Justin Britt because at the beginning of the show, I talked about the offensive line. Like, Justin Britt, not the worst, but he didn't look great up the middle. We were getting beat. Justin Britt can't do it all. Well, if you look, um, there were the back-to-back plays. So on the fumble, on the strip sack fumble, where Russell Wilson was holding the ball in a really stupid way, uh, that came right on the tail of another sack from uh, the same guy, um, Daniels. And on the first play, he goes left and cuts in between Britt and Glowinski. And and Britt's trying to help Jokel. And he beats him, gets a sack. So next play, Britt cuts to the right to help out Glowinski. And what does Daniels do? Cut to the left and put Jokel wow. on his butt mm-hmm. and come around the other way and strip sack. Yeah, that's, that fumble was like one of the worst fumbles I've seen in the Seahawks game in quite some time. Like Russ against the really Packers. Bad. He likes to lose the ball. Look at it. Look at and, the tape. I hey, like can, how our offense was so bad. We started talking about defense and went back to just our offense sucks. Yeah. <laughs> can I can I give one? Can I give a few more like Shaq Griffin? Because I I was frustrated with him and I, as I watched the tape and I think I figured out why. Um, I'm reading uh, some stats right now and that of of the plays, including the both the holding penalties, he gave up six first downs in the game. So of the time he was only tar- he only gave up six catches, but between the so four of those catches and two of the penalties caused first downs and i think that's what drove me nuts is that everything that that he did that was bad was like really bad timing like it was just like he he was a rookie at the worst time and he failed in critical ways yeah it's just like it's like he, he could if he could have just been bad on plays that didn't matter you know like when it was third and 20 oh well whatever on to the next one right we're gonna be like belichick we're on to the next one you guys yeah, ready uh one week at a time you guys ready to break down 49ers football yeah we're trying to go one and zero this week all right, so the 49ers. Well, the 49ers played the Carolina Panthers last week, and they Kinda. mustered they mustered a paltry three points. Eric, <laughs> can you tell me what you think of these 49ers? All right, so this goes back to our prediction oh, show. Oh, that was at home, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, everyone loves playing at Levi's Stadium, especially the 49ers. When you, when you listen to our preseason <laughs> podcast, you know, it's like, you know, I, the Rams are going to be terrible. These San Francisco 49ers, they're going to surprise people. They're going to win like four games. <laughs> Man, this team looks awful. They're and gonna, I mean, they're going to be surprisingly not not the worst, but but almost the worst. The only yeah, thing we might have overestimated them. <laughs> I'll say this: the, the Seahawks' offensive line is not good, but there's a lot of other teams around the league that look like they are in cahoots with our offensive line. Like it's all bad all over. And the San Francisco 49ers, you are on that list. Okay. I rewatched the whole Carolina uh, Panthers Why? 49ers game on the refocus, the 20 minute thing. Okay, okay, I guess that's so, excusable. You know, it only, they cut out all the commercials and all the BS. Okay, so you watch this. I wanted to, that time. I wanted to see what 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 happened with these 49ers. Not, let me tell you some things with the 49ers. Ruben Foster got hurt, and uh, their defense. Uh, well, they had edge rushers that were doing okay, and everyone else looked terrible. Like I was like, what is going on here? DeForest Buckner's awesome. Yep. Um, that guy is going to tear our offensive line a new one. I was like impressed with him against Carolina's offensive line, which is also mediocre. Uh, so against us, he should be real good. And I'm really worried about the way that our, our front five matches up against their front five, uh, seven. Yeah, we're going to have to really run the ball at them to keep them honest. Because if they get to just pin their ears back, their athleticism and length is going to be a nightmare. Dude, Tank Carradine and Solomon Thomas, those are like real edge. This is like They have some real rushing. Eric, Eric Armstead is really athletic. Yeah. Ellis Doomerville, crafty veteran. And I keep forgetting yeah, Armstead wasn't there. even doing that much in this game. Like, the, they, like... Well, I mean, they played didn't play very good. <laughs> they were on the field all the time. What can you say about Brian Hoyer when you watched all that film? Um, okay, well, he completed a ton of passes, and they were all, like, short passes. It yep. was like everything was within t- – I think he went – I read a stat. He went 22 for 25 in passes that went 10, 10 yards or less. <laughs> you can't throw the ball very far when you're sitting on your butt. Nathan. It looked like a Shanahan offense. Yeah, he was two for ten uh, over, over ten like yards, that. including that. Oh, he threw an interception to Luke Keekley that was like otherworldly bad. It was, it was really. It bad. was like, oh my god, I cannot believe he threw that. 
so bad. And then, okay, the Sherman Foster goes down at the beginning of the game. This guy, Ray Ray Armstrong, comes in, and I swear, it was like when Cassius Marsh came in in the New England game. Like, he looked, like, lost out there. Like, he did, like he had not played very much. He had, like, three missed tackles. He was not good. It was like when uh, a special teamer comes into the game and is like, oh, I'm in the game. Yeah, I just not a big fan of that. Um yeah, their their offense just doesn't doesn't do anything. Like they don't they don't have any good offensive players. They had fourteen total carries. Some of them were from a guy whose name is kind of like Bread. Yeah, Breda. 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 Yeah, like oh, the water filter. He was there. Sorry. I uh, and you know Dude, Carlos Hyde only got nine carries. Yeah, and um, wow. So they're not getting much use out of a big off season pickup. Kyle just just I don't know how to say that name. Jedzik. I don't know how to say Jedzik. that name. Judzik. Okay, so that guy, that guy, they're not getting much use out of him because the they guy spent from the a Ravens. ton of money on a fullback to not run behind him. That's not good. Uh, just run left, run behind Joe Staley. Like it's not rocket science. Like give Carlos Hyde the ball, run left. Except, you know who else is on the left? Zane Beatles, who looked like crap. Yeah, he's trash. Like their whole rest of their offensive line's bad. It's it's really putting my one good offensive lineman theory to the test. No, that's putting it to the strain. Yeah, it's like it's like four guys that I don't think should be in the NFL and Joe Staley, <laughs> who is like an all pro. Their wide receivers are not good. Pierre Garçon had a good game. Like, I think he's fine. But, like, Goodwin, Trent, Aldrick Robinson, like, these are not real uh, NFL players right now. I was kind of buying into the hype of the 49ers veteran receiving core before the season started. It's like, wow, Marquise Goodwin, he can uh, he can actually ball. And I was like, no, 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 no he, he can't. can't. All right, Stop. here, Kevin, I know you'll know this because you, like, love college football too much. Eric, name the San Francisco 49ers starting tight end. Ooh. I don't even know if Kevin would know this. It's that it's that deep of a like it's yes, like that it. it's that of a much of a deep cut. And I can tell you what university went to. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go vague here. White dude. Correct. Kevin? Yes. Kevin, go ahead. Uh Greg Kittle out of the University of Iowa. It's George Kittle, George but you know Kittle. what? I, that's good enough. No that's one really close. You're the only person on earth who <laughs> wow. could have got G Kittle. That's like you know, ten points for points, points, points. Uh, Iowa too. So uh, he's a yeah. Hawkeye. They have like so he can block, and he's a mediocre. This team receiver. has like decent players in some positions. He's not fast. I don't know how he makes separation. He's one of those like go to the sticks and hope no one covers you guys. Yeah. Uh, so Ruben Foster got taken off on a cart. That though. sucks. So the, his season is mostly over at this point. Uh, I think he was going to be like a really good will linebacker for them. Like I was really excited to see like. You know, their front four, when they put, like, Carradine, Buckner, Armstead, and Thomas on the field, or Doomerville instead of Thomas, maybe, like, that is a crazy good front four. And I was excited to see, like, the potential, you know, like, what can they do behind it? Ruben Foster can clean up a lot of messes. Now they have Brock Coyle and Ray Ray Armstrong, so th- your season is over. Like, it, I don't know what to say. Like, it's not it's good. It's not good. Uh, okay. Yeah, their corners are terrible. Their safeties are not much better than their corners. I like I like Akella Witherspoon, but he's not playing yet, and he's a rookie. It's like Shaq Griffin. Like, yes, you, exactly. You, you don't want to throw him right in right now. He needs seasoning. Uh, I like Eric Reed. I think Eric Reed's pretty decent. Jimmy, Eric Reed's decent. Jimmy, Jimmy Ward's, Ward's decent. Fine. Yeah, he's fine. But uh, that's were, not enough to bail out their their corners. They needed to get a lot of mileage out of their front seven on this team. Like that was their plan to get. A lot they of lost their front key seven. piece. But their offense is so bad that they're on the field all the time. All those guys are going to get tired. They lost. They lost their like. They lost their Bobby Wagner, and now it's kind of over for them. And that was a team that didn't even really have a Bobby Wagner. I don't. Ru- Ruben Foster like is real. Like, he I, is, but the rest of like Bobby Wagner is anchoring the middle of the field in a very good defense. Yeah. Ruben Foster is anchoring the field. Ruben Foster in San Francisco. A, he's a rookie. Like it's they you know temporary expectations no matter what. Right. Five years yeah. from now, that could be great. Yeah. yeah. Their best offensive weapon right now is Robbie Gould. Oof. I would get Carlos Hyde, but I mean they're not going to give him the ball enough for it. To right? Matter. They gave him nine carries. What the hell is that? They weren't even that. They weren't. Shanahan panicked and was just like, "Throw the ball!" It wasn't the like ball! they were playing the Rams, man. They weren't getting that blown out. Yeah, I thought this man. offense might just do some stuff because they had Shanahan. That, I guess that that's not a thing. It's nope. <laughs> it's going to take time for that team to do anything, though. I mean, Brian Hoyer is their quarterback. They they're they doing, tried to get Kirk Cousins. They're doing a Seahawks style teardown, right, Eric? Like 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 we did when we got rid of everyone. I think that's I think that's very optimistic. I think they're trying to do that teardown, but they're doing a straight rebuild. I mean, when we got rid of Matt Hasselbeck, we we subbed him in with uh, Tavares Jackson, which wasn't great. But I'd rather have Tavares than Brian Hoyer. I don't know, I think that's pretty equivalent. It is, but Tavares okay. Jackson stays on the field. Here's the difference, Kevin, for me, okay? Is that Tavares Jackson, yeah, he stays healthy. Exactly right, Eric. Because when Brian Hoyer gets hurt, it's C.J. Beathart time. Like, that's not some, that's not a thing. And that's pop star hey, C.J. Beathart, right? Wait, wait, wait. 
There, CJ, yes. Wait, C.J. Beathard can throw to George Kittle. It'll yeah. be a college connection. Yes, exactly. They're, They're comfortable. That's right. They have Iowa's core rookie quarterback and Iowa's rookie tight end. That team made wow. it to the Rose Bowl. I mean, they lost by like five touchdowns in the Rose Bowl, but they made it to the Rose Bowl. Well, guess what? You're only going to have to wait four more games so you see the connection. Uh, that's right. <laughs> Brian Hoyer's not playing all year. All right. Let's Hawkeye. just let's just uh, let's throw out some uh, stuff for the Seahawks. Like, okay, how many pressure uh, pressures do you think we're going to get on this terrible offensive line? Twenty. 20. Okay, Eric, you can go. Okay, now, Eric, you got to go over or under 20. I'm going under. Okay, so, Kevin, you get everything over. Eric, you get everything under. We'll check in next week to see who got. Question for Eric Does San Francisco have a guy named PETA on their team? Of course they do. Yep, they do. PETA Tawamu Penu. Makes sense. From Utah, actually, from the University of Utah. I actually knew that. So uh, Okay, uh, that's basically all I have. I just really wanted to mention that they had a guy named PETA on their team. <laughs> <laughs> so, what are we really looking for in this next game? Uh, legitimately, what do you what are you looking to see? Like, what do we're I not want? Playing a good team, we're playing the 49ers. So we're talking what do you realistic need to, see here. to feel better. To be honest with you, like if the defense is dominant and we win twenty one to seven off of like a defensive touchdown, I'm still gonna feel like shit because I need to see the defense establish the run. I need to see us like really get out there. The offense, you mean? Yeah, sorry, the offense. Yeah, I need to see us establish the run game. I need to see us like pass block some. Um, yeah, well, that's, if it's that's twenty-one to seven with just a couple sacks, no interceptions, but the offense did seventeen points worth, eighteen points worth. I mean, yeah, if the offense is like, I want to see like four hundred yards of total offense. Like, I need to see like a number. Like, I don't want us to be like last game where what, do we, what was our total offense number last week? Uh, Two twenty-five. Like, that's embarrassing. Like Russell Wilson should throw for that on average. Yeah, if we if we can get in for four hundred, I would feel really good about this game. Um, I need to see the defense finish plays, and I need to see the offense establish a system, which I think is what Nate's saying. I want to see some runs, some commitment to the run game, especially on early downs. I want to see the return of the zone read and using Russell Wilson's oh legs. Oh God, that please. part yeah. of the playbook that was ripped up and thrown in the shredder when he got injured last year, they need to dig that out, glue that shit back together, because that is our offense this year. Yeah. We need things that are going to help. Yeah. Max protect does not work. That just means that it will be coverage sacks instead of jailbreak sacks. All right, Eric, I'm going to test your learning. Why? Because we, I've said it for years in this podcast, and people are here tired of hearing me, me, hearing me say it. Eric, why does the zone read help us run? The zone read helps us run because what you have uh, a linebacker or a defensive end mm-hmm. who basically has to spy Russell Wilson. He has to choose if he's going to uh, you know, crash in on the run yep. when Russell Wilson hands the ball or if he's going to follow Russ out. Mostly... If when Russell Wilson's being awesome, which is anytime he runs this uh, zone read, <laughs> the the and Russell makes the right decision. Whatever the linebacker or defensive end chooses to do, Russ does the opposite because he's really good at kind of waiting until the last millisecond to pull the ball back or run with the ball. Uh, and then it takes that guy out of the play without yes. using a blocker, right? It's yeah. an extra blocker. And you're 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 at eleven against ten right there. Yeah. So that's like and Eric explained it perfect. That's how you do the zone read. Russell needs to do that in this game. And it's especially because these these defensive ends are aggressive in this team. They have some aggressive defensive players here. And like I love these defensive linemen for them. They're great athletes. Like I thought they were the most exciting part of their defense. But man, they they really can get taken advantage of in this situation. Yeah, the thing that I saw that did work that I want to see a little more of, when we were moving the pocket against Green Bay and we were sliding the line and forcing them to react instead of crash, that functioned. Things like that. Things that utilize blocking in a slightly unorthodox way where the defense has to think and react instead of just working on muscle memory. Because if it's just straight-up physical talent, I think this game showed most lines are going to beat us. I mean, at this point, like, even Pete Carroll is starting to throw the offensive line under the bus, right? Like, he's starting to say, like, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm disappointed in where our offensive line is playing. So they need to start improving immediately, right? Yeah, Pete Carroll saying he's disappointed is like Jim Mora leaving you on the tarmac. (laughs) Yeah, Eric... Eric, would you do you think that this is the point where they have to compete, or is it like is it? it Pete Carroll's not stupid. I mean, whether he's defending his coaches or not, 
the defense is getting sick of this. The fans are getting sick of this. And we've said it on this podcast. Every year you don't get far in the playoffs, or every year you have this offensive line, I'll say, you're squandering a chance at the Super Bowl. We squandered a Super Bowl against New England once already, and that's bad enough. I mean, maybe we'd feel a lot better if we had two Super Bowls here and we could say, you know, we're just waiting to get back. But to to squander that against New England, then the next year to have some off injuries and just kind of like have that season where we kept losing games in the fourth quarter uh, to go into Minnesota and lose and just get smacked by Carolina, that was embarrassing. Last year we lost Russ. That's a squandered year. If the offensive line doesn't do anything now, I'm sorry. It's going to be another squandered year. And Earl Thomas, as great as he is, Richard Sherman, as much as we love him and how immature he is, and Michael Bennett, sorry, these guys are not going to last forever. You can't hold the window open forever, right? Like no, and I mean, we're going to have good players as long as we have Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. No. But this team, this team, this is a dominant, historically dominant, awesome defense, and it needs to have its glory. It's 85 Bears. Like, it's no joke. Like, this defense is good enough to, like, to do what that defense accomplished, Eric. You're right. And the... The defense, I mean, they allowed 17 points to the NFL's best quarterback. The consensus NFL best quarterback. Yep. He scored 17 points against us, and they lost. They were on the field for 40 minutes against a great offense, and they gave up 17 points, and they lost. So they're going to be looking for revenge this week. Like, it's it's vengeance time. And I would, the Sheldon Richardson we saw for most of the game that was good, the one that before he kind of got tired and, and had the... You know, he had some plays where he was the conditioning became an issue. He was in great spots, and I think he's going to be out for blood in this game. Like, I think Sheldon, I'm looking for Sheldon Richardson in that middle. They're, they're as meaty as we thought Green Bay's interior line was. This is even meatier. Like, we should have a lot of sacks here. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. And I think that to needing to be tacked onto that, that 17 points includes the field position after the fumble. Yeah, that's oh, that, yeah. that's it's really the on the offense. That's basically a, that's basically a fumble return for a touchdown. It's ten so points. We're saying, yeah, they allowed functionally ten points to one of the a top five NFL offense. Yeah, and the the like. Let me stress this: the consensus number one quarterback in the league. Like, there's no doubt. If yeah, they are ev- a Mike McCarthy away from multiple Super oh, Bowl my rings. God, I hate Mike McCarthy so much. <laughs> I'm, you know what? Every day, like anytime I start to think, like, man, Pete Carroll's really getting on my nerves. Why doesn't he just throw Tom Cable under the bus? I'm like, you know what? We could be stuck with Mike McCarthy, so I'm gonna just let it go. I'm gonna uh, put it in a bubble. It's outside of Bill Belichick. <laughs> Look at all the great quotes, or the co- great coaches rather, and uh, they all have their problems. Andy Reid. Can't manage a clock. You, nope. And you're 100% right. Like, Eric, you say, like, it, every team has a window closing, you know. And not every team can be the Spurs or they can be the Patriots. Like, there's these there's these dynasties that last over 10 years. They're just few and far between. They're the exception. They're, it's just This just never happens. And so, like, if we continue to win division championships for another, like, six years, that's, one, that's unprecedented. And, two, I better see a couple Super Bowl rings in there because otherwise we are unfulfilling our full potential. Then We're the you, Braves. Then you, yeah, then you become the Packers, the Braves. Exactly. You become the Buffalo Bills of Ooh. the 90s, the Minnesota Vikings. It's my favorite sound clip from that. If you guys don't win this fourth Super Bowl attempt, what are you going to do? And the fan looks in the camera and goes, strive for five. <laughs> Didn't happen. Oh, I'll never forget that. Oh no, I cannot. Little I cannot. little kid Eric Ronabek was like, "Oh, you guys are you guys are boned." And then you watch the Mariners for ten more years. Oh. You guys want to do a few minutes of Mariners talk? Just kidding. Let's get to let's get to that, let's hit that movie club. Okay, I, I honestly think the worst case scenario for the CX in this game is they still win, but the offense doesn't play good. So we still win, but the offense doesn't play good. We score like three defensive touchdowns, like you know, like the the defense takes over the game, uh, and the offense doesn't score any points, and it's like twenty one to to four or to seven. No, I think it'd be worse than twenty one to seven. It would be like, you know, sixteen uh, seven. It'd be like sixteen seven with three field goals because they can never punch it in. All right, so you guys, that's just... the worst case scenario. The best case scenario is the offense clicks. The week they go to the tape, the team learns something. Tom Cable, uh, someone hits him in the head with a bat, and he's reawoken as a new man. Uh, and the Seahawks win like forty-two to three, which is very possible to me. Like I, I think that's very possible. That would remind me of the Super Bowl year when we spanked Jacksonville at home, because we we had problems, but we came alive for that game and we won the Super Bowl the, that year. The, the, the teams that have been really good for Seahawks, they've had this killer instinct that has kind of been lacking in the last couple of years, right? Like Eric mentions, that's a perfect example. The Jaguars win. We used to go for the throat, and now I feel like this team just doesn't have that killer instinct right now. 
and I would love to see them get it back. I'd love to see that old swagger come back. I mean, it's you you see flashes of it, like guys are you know real jacked up and stuff, but they're not. It's not there, you know. That it doesn't seem like it's not in the play. There's no edge, like there was, you know. It's, it's yeah. the little. I want to see us. I want to see us up seventeen, and I want to see us like run the ball eight times and score a touchdown. That's like the. That's the the when you know a team's really swagger. good. swagger. When the team is playing yeah. a bad team and they're up by seventeen, and they just decide, you know what, we're going to run the ball and we're just going to beat you. It's something I haven't seen out of the Seahawks in a long time, and it's something I, I really need to see from this team. It has team been a I, couple years. So you gave us a best case, worst case. What's your pick? Uh, 28 to 10 Seahawks. I don't think we'll do that much better than Carolina did, to be honest with you. Like, the way our offensive line played, I just don't see it. Our defense is better, and they only gave up three points. I just think there's no way San Francisco offense. Kyle Shanahan will figure something out. He will figure out a way to get points, one way or the other. That's my opinion. I'm going to disagree with you on both fronts, and I'm going to go dark for this game, and I'm going to say Seahawks win 17-3. to Our oh. defense plays at home. That's like my night. This is my nightmare. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not trying to be like the downer here, but I need to see something before I, I, I pick us to win big. I picked us to beat the Packers because I, I bought into that, this awesome defense, which turned out to be awesome, but I kind of thought like 35 minutes on the field offense, or defense rather, and right. I thought our, our offensive line would be good enough where we'd run bootlegs or we'd at least run the read option. I want to see the read option. I want to see a decent middle of the line. I want to see running backs getting 6, 13 yards. I don't want to see Eddie Lacy at all. 17-3 Seahawks. I wonder if the Seahawks are afraid to run the, the read option against the 3-4. Like, the, I wonder if there's anything to that. Like it is more challenging to run it against a three four. You have to look just, at like when we played the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have to read it how differently. See, I wonder if it's uh, we have Carson was getting the bulk of the snaps. Uh, we had uh, process in there. We're talking about rookies on the running back front that we're running the read option with. Right. But I'm sorry, we need to. Yeah, the maybe and Eddie maybe, Lacy's never maybe ran the it. return of Rawls means the return of the read option. If that's the case. Rawls, Welcome please, back. Please get healthy. Uh, let Mr. Miyagi come in, rub his hands together, no and then put them on your ankle. <laughs> uh, so I'm going... If I have to roadmap this out, this is going to be one of those ones where like the first half is frustrating because it feels like we're throwing spaghetti at the wall on offense. Like, let's see if this works. Now let's see if this works. Those super annoying this first our, halves... This is our chance to workshop what's wrong with our offense. Exactly. And they'll be like, you know, a field goal on a stalled drive in the first quarter. And then, like, the the hurry up will score a touchdown before halftime. And we'll go into halftime up, like, 10-3. And this, then... This sounds And then, this is the second half team. This is the second half team. And oh. we're going to score, like, three touchdowns in the second half because we'll have decided what works. And we'll pop out going, well, you know... If we're like the second half version, I think we're getting 13 wins. But I honestly don't know any more about this team than I did before the game. And that's how I feel. So I'm going with 31-6 Seattle, but somehow still not satisfying. I, I, I don't want us to play football the way that Floyd Mayweather boxes. Right. Where like I love like the thing the reason Floyd Mayweather's boring is because the first three rounds he doesn't watch tape. And so the first three rounds, I'm, that's not a joke. That's dead serious. I know, but it's still funny. He, he doesn't watch tape. In the first three rounds, he tries to figure out exactly what his opponent is doing. And then for the next nine rounds, he he, count, he counteracts everything they do and win wins every time. Okay? And that's why he's the greatest. Okay, Floyd Mayweather is the greatest boxer of our era. Okay, He's so great not, at taking all the fun out of boxing. Not any era, but he's, the, he's great. He's truly great. And the thing that's a drag for me is that, that, that I don't want the Seahawks to play football like that, Kevin, where they're, they're throwing a bunch of offense out there just trying to figure out what works, and then they, they do bad for the first half, and then all of a sudden they come out in the second half, and it's like, oh, these were the things that worked, so we figured it out, and now we're good. Right, and then you're saying they're like, that's okay, well, fun. if we were playing against any good team, this wouldn't work at all. No, because we'd never figure out what works, just like we did last week against Green Bay. We never figured out what works. Their defense did just enough to keep us off balance. We made Nick Perry look like... Uh, I'm so afraid of their defense. I, I'll be honest. I'm so afraid of the the San Francisco defensive line because it's really good. They have a lot of really talented players. Like yeah, we have to we have to get them with scheme, Defo- and I don't think that we DeForest have the Buckner and Eric Armstead are like freak athletes. Like get, oh man, I'm really nervous. They, this offensive line. All right, well, let's move on. I don't I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm just getting I'm just giving myself anxiety. Uh, for money, if you want to give us money, please do. 
This is the money zone. We could use some money. Patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. We now are up to uh, 13 Patreons, the terrific 13. You guys, I don't know if you noticed, but we're up to almost 500 weekly listens. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, which Thank is like, you so much. Which is just insane. I don't know what to do with that information. Uh, to the person who in San Francisco who downloaded uh, 41 episodes of our podcast this week, I got to know, are you just interested to hear what we say about the 49ers this week? Or do you are you a are you a twelve in enemy territory? If so, email us. I want to hear about it. Um, also, to all of our UK listeners uh, and UK Seahawkers podcast, yeah. love y'all. Big shouts to UK Seahawkers. Uh, field goals, go fuck yourselves. Why are we blocked on your Twitter? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Field goals, guys. Where's the beef? What's, right here. What's weird is like fuck Arth- you, Wendy's. Arthur Kim follows us. Like all the all the writers follow us, but for some reason we're blocked there. So you know what? I just gotta I just gotta continue the uh, the rivalry. You know, I don't know. The rivalry. Uh, sorry for dropping an f bomb, mom. Okay, so <laughs> uh, other ways you can support us. You can go to Facebook.com/slash The Seahawks Nest, Twitter.com/slash Seahawks Nest. You can go take our SoundCloud page and share it on your Twitter and say this is my favorite. Seahawks podcaster. This is a Seahawks podcast I like. I know it sounds dumb, but it helps us show up on Google searches. We are now in the first page of Google searches yes. when you search for Seahawks podcast, and I'm hoping it's partially because of what I have been saying about trying to help get people to help us with our SEO. All right. Also, talk to us on Reddit. We're there. Oh yeah, we're on Reddit. Um, I'm Reddit slash you slash Mr. Nate. Uh, and I'll, I, I, I'm trying to make like one post a week. Uh, I'm, I'll and be we honest. We also have an official Seahawks Nest uh, Reddit as well that more, posts. More of a, I'm more of a lurker than a poster, but uh, you know, I'm out there. I got on the front page of Reddit one time. So anyway. <laughs> Life accomplishment. <laughs> Hashtag humble brag. I just had to do it once. You know, I, had to, I posted like articles until I got one on the front page, and then I was like, all right, I'm, I'm done. Really quickly, it was like a couple weeks before. This dude brought it up at his own wedding. I just want to put that on there. Oh, yeah, it's good. It's good. <laughs> Uh, four years ago, man. Uh, it was a good post, man. Star Wars, Star, it was Star Wars Episode Seven to use less CGI, in quotes. That was, that, was the, that was the post. That's my second favorite internet joke behind the time that you uh, rickrolled everyone looking for the preview for the new Batman movie. And by the way, the joke at the wedding was, I've already accomplished so much getting to the front page of Reddit. I said that at my wedding. It was so good. All right, so. And all uh, the women loved it. Uh, oh, yeah. So, that's it. Those are the, the ways you could support us. Uh, we've got about 10 minutes here, and um, I would say we should use it to talk about a movie that we could talk about a lot, because that is what we have time for. Usually, we get to this point in the podcast, and I'm having a panic attack. I'm like, what movie can we talk about in, in, literally, in literally three minutes? Because there is no time for Yeah, for you always anything. abandon your list, but are I, you going I back to a, the list today? I do abandon the list, but I'm going to go back to the list today, but I just have to open my Google Docs. <laughs> so live on air, you get to listen to me open my Google Docs. Hey Kevin, while I open this Google Doc, can you tell me? Oh, okay, actually, you know what? I want to do something. There's something that I've really been thinking about a lot lately. Okay, so I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, they're remaking Death Wish. Oh, okay, and I, is, I told you about this. Preview. I gotta Did you talk. Watch it? I gotta talk about it. Okay, because I watched the trailer. Mm. Gotta talk about this. Bruce Willis remaking Death Wish. Can we just talk? Cast. Can we just talk about Death Wish? You think? Yeah, let's do that. Hold on. Okay. You think it's Thank a good you. cast, Kevin? Okay, so Death Wish. Okay, let's talk about the let's talk about the OG first. 1974. This Charles is, Bronson. It's this Charles is the Bronson. most intense movie club ever. It's by the Charles way, Charles Bronson at his like. Charles Bronsonist. Bronsonist. Yeah, yes. I just it does not get more action Bronson than Charles Bronson than this what he is doing in this movie. Really quickly, and for the uh, and for the the two people in this room because you've met him. Um, the, the first time I saw this movie was with my dad. Okay, my dad particularly <laughs> nice. likes this movie, really? which if you know my dad, you're not surprised about. No, that. not <laughs> at all. If there's one man in the world who like uh, he feels the way about a revenge plot. That Nathan and I feel about a heist movie. Okay, this is this is kind of where I wanted to go with this. Is like I I think this movie is like such it's like um it's like the 151 proof alcohol of revenge. <laughs> yes, movies. like it is. It so is sh- the Everclear. It is of like revenge it movies. is like 90 minutes long, and it is so strongly distilled. The original it is like it is impossible to swallow, but you but you have you to just keep going. Yeah, it just keeps going. You just rub it on your skin, and you get revenged. Yes, so. So I mean, we did we did old boy. What is it? That's true. What is your what is your like uh, your favorite thing uh, in the in the OG movie? Let's, let's just round table it, Eric. Okay, my favorite thing because I I would say with Death Wish I have least favorite things, but <laughs> okay, my, my you favorite, don't like this movie or you do like I, this movie? I but do, it's just, but it's, it's just, just like it's hard to watch. Uh, the <laughs> most true the first like third of the movie because this is back when they made films that they're like you know setting up a big story. 
even if it was something as trivial as a yeah, revenge okay. movie. Okay, the, can I? Can I? Wait, are you talking wait, about wait. the sexual assault at the beginning of this movie? Yes, I yeah, hate it so much. Exactly, and it's it's, it's brutal. gratuitous and it's brutal and it's awful and it's like, yeah, yeah, I get these guys are pieces of trash. I don't need to see this. But my favorite thing is just Charles Bronson with a gun, just kind of like walking up to people saying, "Hey, punk," and they're like, "What you want?" And he's like, Pow. "That's it." It's yeah. It's, it's like <laughs> yes. It's not like this. He's he's flashing anything. He didn't say anything. He's like, "Hey, you're a piece of trash." Boom! Blows her head off. The end. It's just, it's Charles Bronson at his Charles Bronson. It's like we said. So, um, this movie is, uh, I'm, this movie is Grand Torino if he just acted on it. Sure, if, if he was, <laughs> if Clint Eastwood was like still young enough to do something about it. Yeah, it's just it was one of those like, it, it's uh, and. You know, I will say my favorite part was the exact same thing that Eric said because this movie is made up of two things: uh, people getting raped and people just murdering people with one-liners that are more just attention getters. That's yeah. a thing. The hey, one what's li- up? What do you mean? Was yeah. Oh, <laughs> or Phil. you're going to die. Fill your hand. What are you talking about? Boom! Now you're you are dead. Die. <laughs> he cha- when he challenge, doesn't he challenge like a mugger to a draw in this movie? Like a. Yeah, one or two. Is that one? That's that's, one. I believe it's the first one. It's one, yeah. Can I give you the IMDb uh, description of this movie? Sure, go for it. A New York City architect. He's an architect? I didn't know he was an architect. And he's a Korean Korean war vet. He's a Korean war vet. I I like how it jumps over Korean war vet and goes to architect, because that's the relevant skill here. Yes. A New York City architect becomes a one-man vigilante squad after his wife is murdered by... Street punks. I yes. mean, street punks is a light way of putting it. These are bad dudes. Then they pretend to be like repairmen to get in the house or something. It's something like it's, it, there's a, there's a farcical nature to it. Yeah. Uh, in like which lie. he randomly goes out and kills would be muggers on the mean streets after dark. That 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 really is a good summary of the movie. Yeah. He just basically walks around going, "I'm gonna go to this place where I'm gonna get in trouble." If oh that, look! You want to cause some trouble? I'm gonna shoot you in the face. It's like I'm gonna murder the hell out of you. But it's during like, the day, he goes up to him and he says, "Hey, I got those plans you were looking for." <laughs> yeah, dude. He just like uh, I want to see the other half of this movie. Where do you want to put just the? Try, it's just like falling down. Where he's like going to his day job. As where do you want to put the pathway in this? Uh, this park? movie is gratuitously violent. Would you though? like it's to build pretty, an atrium in your backyard? Violent. So, all right. So, in two thousand, let me let me tell you about the new Death Wish. Then, Kevin, you could, we're going to decide right right, decide right now. If no, wait, is Kevin? You've seen the preview, Nathan. I yes. have not seen the trailer for the new Death Wish. Okay, well, let me tell you a little bit of the history. Yeah, in why two, see a trailer for a movie you know you're going to watch? In two, in two thousand, <laughs> like Guardians of the Galaxy two. In, in two thousand six, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone wanted to remake Death Wish. He wanted to act and star in it. Okay, but then we direct and star. Direct, yeah, okay. direct and star in it. Ooh, Sorry, that could have been uh, all right. But then it it didn't work out. So then now, Death Wish twenty seventeen is coming out, directed by Eli Roth. Yeah. Eli That's Roth. Okay, cool. so you know the violence is going to be uh, it's going to be violent. This Eli, is an accurate choice. Eli, Eli Roth is torture porn world champion. Like he loves to torture people on film. It is his favorite. Bruce Willis is the star. Okay. Again? He is a he is Sounds a good. not an architect turned vigilante. No, no, no. He will be playing a doctor <laughs> turned vigilante. Even okay. more white collar. Uh and then yeah, he's gonna he's gonna murder some folks. So Eric, you've yes. seen the trailer. I have. Right, okay, tell me, are you interested in seeing the, the Death Wish remake? I was way more interested before I watched the trailer. I'll I'll say this, Kevin, without watching it. Like Eli Roth directing a Death Wish remake with Bruce Willis. I love Bruce Willis. I don't. I don't care what anybody says. It's like Tom Cruise and Bruce Willis. Yeah, they're I. They're weird in real life. They're they're crazy. They're mean. Whatever. I want to see the movie. Eli Roth. It's gonna be gory. It's it like should the, be right. It's like the opposite effect for me with Eli Roth. Like I love Bruce Willis, and as much as I like Bruce Willis and seeing things Bruce Willis does, when I hear Eli Roth is working on something, I'm like, mm, you just kind of shrug, right? Maybe, maybe, but, maybe not. So let me explain my thought because I hate Hostel, by the way. Well, hold on. Did you see Green Inferno? No, because I didn't need diarrhea to. on screen. Like it was so, so bad. Here's my thought. Between Bruce Willis and the fact that there's a plot for this movie, I figured that might reel Eli, Eli Roth in. 
I am hearing from you guys, if I had watched the trailer, I would not think this. Now, this is, I'm just going to say this about the trailer the, to answer Nathan's question. The trailer's real action-y, right? It's, it, no, it's kitschy. Like, yeah, there's, yeah, there's yeah, like, yeah. The, the song that comes in is like, it doesn't fit. It's like a, it's like a hip-hop song. It's kind of upbeat, and it doesn't show, like, anything outside of Bruce Willis just kind of, like, you know, aiming a gun how Bruce Willis does. And then he starts making jokes to uh, to like people like you know there's this vigilante on the street killing people and they're like you think they're gonna catch this guy and he just kind of looks at the lady and he's like I don't know <laughs> it's really weird yeah, they're like what did he what did he, what did he look like oh, he looked like a white guy in a hoodie like they make jokes there's yeah. there's definitely jokes in this movie and, and it's oh, almost like Bruce Willis just kind of shrugs and goes eh, and Bruce know. Willis does like paychecks okay that's, like that's true he does like I love Joe Carnahan. Like the guy who wrote this movie, it was originally supposed to direct it. Like I, Smoke and Aces is 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 an. See, uh, that would make me more excited. Smoke and Aces is a movie that uh, shouldn't be fun to watch, but is. It's really fun uh, to watch. The eight that eight team really re- that eight team remake. It has good set pieces. Like I don't think it's a good movie, <laughs> and I freaking love the gray, aka Liam Neeson versus wolves, uh, <laughs> wolves versus so, wolves. So yeah. Um, if Joe Carnahan was directing this, I'd probably be more into it. Eli Roth just gives me like I have a serious pause, and then. Eric's right. The kitschiness of the trailer is dis- is disconcerting. Like, Death Wish is a certain thing, right? It should be dark. It is. Like, it is. It was, no, it should not be dark. It should be like dark and gritty. It, it should be coffee grounds right. in a black garbage yeah. can. And the the trailer's just too clean for me. Like, I just it looks like they're trying to to capture the same magic as John Wick. John Wick is Whoa. a John Wick is a different thing than Death Wish. Like. It looks like they're trying but not succeeding. Yeah, exactly. It looks like they're like they're going for like the grittiness of Death Wish with the stylization of John Wick. Those two things don't go together. It's like no, it's don't do that. Don't please don't do that. Like I, I'm just really concerned about the quality of this Death Wish movie, which is too bad because if we're being honest, you know, like Death Wish remake with Bruce Willis should be sweet, right? Yeah, like it should be sweet, but. Yeah, Bruce Willis, like you said, he'll, he'll... Can we get the crew that made Blue Ruin together to do the remake of oh, Death Wish? Gosh, I think they that, could actually do that. That would be, that that would would be, be a sick. thing. Yeah. That's, that's a great revenge movie. Oh, man. Uh, I think that... Because that's the level of just like... That's a tough watch. Well, because the, the thing with Death Wish is, is it, at the end of Death Wish, you should feel like you need, I don't know, a smoke... A bath. <laughs> yeah, but like at the end of Death... A smoke and a shower right, at the right, same time. Right when he does the finger guns and you're just like, oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna kill these people. Now, too, is probably. this rated R? Do we know that it's rated R? Uh, How could it not be? Uh, because it's Hollywood today, and if it's not rated R, I will not see it. I guarantee you that. Yeah, you I don't. Do I, I cannot find an MPAA rating. Kevin, you're on the IMDb page, right? Uh, rated R for strong, bloody violence Thank and language throughout. Okay, Thank now this is, goodness. This me with hope. Um, this, is, this is a movie that. Can I tell you a few uh, casting facts about this? Yes. Bruce Willis was chosen from chosen from a short list here. To, that shortlist included Russell Crowe, Matt Damon, Will Smith, and Brad Pitt. What the fuck? Wow. I want to see the Will Smith death death wish. <laughs> I'm serious. Like Will Smith, when he really tries, is like, oh yeah, is awesome. That's true. And if he was really like, I'm just going to go for it. I want to be in Death Wish, and I really want to go for it. This is why one of my all time great regrets is that Will Smith wouldn't be in Django Unchained. Like he would have. Jamie Foxx was great. But yes, Will was. Smith would have been incredible. Yeah, insane. Will Smith just knows how to insane. go all out. That's for, he, that's for he sure. He just goes for it. Like, and he knows what he's doing. He so, would have had a song in the soundtrack too. So, and I, I hate <laughs> that. I hate here. that. I hate that Will Smith is trying to be gritty now, and it's like too late. Like it's, it's just like, like it's two like, years too late. Yeah, it's like, dude, you should have done Suicide something like Suicide Squad five years ago. Well, not like, so much. Suicide Squad was a bad setting to try and be gritty. It's just everything is Technicolor, and you're trying to be noir in the middle of it. That was awkward. He was the best part of that movie, though. That was because that was his movie, and they decided to wedge some Harley Quinn stuff in there, too. But that's a different podcast for a different day, <laughs> sir. And the final thing, in the when they had the original director, the star, set to star in Death Wish, Liam Neeson's. Would, think, you, would you have liked Liam Neeson's over Bruce Willis you know, I'm gonna for s- Death Wish? I'm going to say Liam Neeson is being pigeonholed into this type of movie no i don't want to see that i feel like i've seen taken i, I, I bring this up for, because today liam just today liam neeson's announced he has filmed his last action movie he said i'm 65 fucking years old i can't do it anymore wow <laughs> was it a remake of last action hero uh i don't know but that that, that just, is it dark man seven it made me really oh, happy that he was like he was like I'm done. I'm yeah, out. I think that's good. It is like it good is. Sad. He at no point in an action movie did you look at him and go, "That guy shouldn't be in this movie." 
And you shouldn't get to that point. So good for him. All right. Uh, anything else you guys want to say about Death Wish or Death Wish? Uh, let's just go thumbs up, thumbs down. Eric, for the new Death Wish. Thumbs up if you guys if we see it together as a group. Thumbs down otherwise. <laughs> Kevin? Uh, tentative thumbs down because the vibe just seems all wrong. Don't watch the trailer, and I Kevin. I do not like We're watching the, the trailer as soon movies. as this podcast is over. If you want Kevin's opinion, send us a message on Facebook. Oh, I knew it. Uh, Eli Roth's a big turnoff for me. Uh, I'll probably see it anyway because I have movie pass and I can see as many movies as I want. All right. So Until for, that shit shuts down. Yeah, I was going to say I have, I have about... I, It'll still be open at this point, but you know we're gonna get at some point we're gonna they're gonna it's run out of money. Dicey in November. Yeah, it's gonna be about you know December January time that that closes down. So for Kevin Garber, for Eric Ronenbeck, I'm Nathan Sano. We'll see you next week. Go Hawks. <laughs>